0: Welcome to the Embrace It series, where women with all types of disabilities can be real, resourceful, and stylish. With each episode, you'll walk or roll away with everyday tips, life hacks, and success stories from community leaders and influencers. So take off your leg braces and stay a while with Lainey and Estella. Hi, I'm Lainey, and I have CMT. And I'm Estella, and I also have CMT a neuromuscular disorder affecting approximately 2.6 million people worldwide. That's as many as MS.
1: We believe that disabilities should never get in the way of looking or feeling good. Both of us wear leg
0: braces and have learned through our own personal journeys to embrace it. For more information and exclusive resources, check out our websites at trend-able.com and hnf-cure.org. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button for future episodes and special promos. So as many of you know, Lainey and I are always on the hunt for the next best AFO friendly shoe. Lainey posts tons of stuff on her website, but we just came across something amazing that we wanted to share with all of you. Something that is AFO friendly, that is stylish, that is easy to put on and off and lightweight. So Lainey, tell us what you found. So
1: it's, um, Thank you, Estella. So (laughs) I like came across this brand. Um, The name of it is Friendly Shoes. They're really cool people. And um, the founder, Joseph, actually is an occupational therapist. And he found the need when he saw that his patients were really struggling putting on and off their shoes. They have this really cool zipper technology, which you guys trust me is great. Um, for people with disabilities, because the shoe literally opens up and you can put your foot inside. So when I saw these, I reached out to Joseph and um, we now um, are happy to announce they're our very first podcast sponsor. And um, thank you to them. And you guys definitely check them out. There's free shipping and free returns. And if you use the code EMBRACEITFRIENDLY, on their website just when you go to check out they'll be taking 10 percent off any purchase so check them out let us know what you think these are truly my go-to for walking around my neighborhood and going to the gym and i think you guys will love them too
0: thank you everyone for joining today we have another incredible guest this time we have one of our own from the cmt community her name is tova fine and if you are active on instagram in the CMT community, I'm sure you've seen some of her awesome posts and creative content and illustrations and all of that. So welcome to the podcast today, Toba. Hi, hey, Toba. Welcome. Hey. Toba. I've been following you for, oh my God, a few years now, I feel like, but you've just really stood out to me just for your unique take on navigating disability and your beautiful Instagram photos of your home with all of your plants and you just, you know, this oasis that you've created in your home that is super attractive to like an introvert like me who just dreams about living in their bedroom from time to time forever. Yeah, so I just have really been a huge fan of yours and last September Awareness, you kind of launched this really cool initiative and campaign to get people to share their stories and Bring awareness to CMT. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just really honored to have you speaking with us today and sharing your story.
1: Yeah. So, Tova, tell, tell us about your sharkamary tooth. Since a lot of the people, not all, we have many people who listen who do not have any idea what shark and tooth is but we'll let them google that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but tell us about you like have you do you have type 1 type 2 and when did the symptoms come about just like a brief like where you're at do you use a motability device that kind of thing so i was diagnosed
2: with cmt when i was 5 um but the what I, I i do have 1a um it wasn't um confirmed until later, but actually my, uh, when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed because I just fell all the time. And my mom was like, Oh, she falls a lot. (laughs) Like then took me to doctor after doctor. And every doctor was like, yeah, she's just clumsy. She's a kid, you know, like there's nothing wrong with her. But then, you know, someone did the little tap on my knee and realized like there's something not normal here.
1: (laughs) What are your challenges currently? Walking.
2: Yeah. Walking is, yeah okay. <laughs> walking is my worst. Um, but yeah, no, I use, um, I have, um, I use all of the mobility devices. So like usually depending on the day or the type of, uh, or whatever I'm doing. Um, but I do have, um, I have the linker, the linker for outside.
0: It's like a, it's
2: like, I guess they said, it's like a walking wheelchair.
0: It's super cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like I guess I've seen them. They're like really modern looking. It's like, a, it looks
2: like a bicycle. Like, oh my gosh. Like everywhere I go, it's just talk about the bike or whatever. I, I used to like get into like a full conversation with people. And then I was like, this is making me, this is too much all the time. Everyone's asking me. So now people are just like, cool bike. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Walk on. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm, but we're looking at getting a wheelchair for indoors too. And like indoors to like, so I can get up and, do stuff as opposed to like because like whenever I have to get up to do stuff inside here now it's like it's frustrating it's it's painful and it's not fun and I it's like I can't stand for like longer than 30 seconds without just being like all right gotta sit down you know so yeah I'm trying to grieve the loss of my of my legs basically honestly but it's like yeah It's like I'm I'm like so much I'm excited for it, though, because I'm like, it's going to be so much easier, like just so much easier to just do stuff and like save energy and and just like so much and so much more energy, you know, like even like having the linker gives so much freedom so I can go out and do groceries on my own and run errands on my own. So it's it's really nice.
1: Do you have any CMT for those who don't know? Like for me, it affects my hands as well. Are you, do you have some fine motor difficulties? Oh yeah. It's definitely starting in my hands as
2: well too. I'm like, I, it was when I was younger, like I couldn't like writing with a pen was hard or pencil, right? But computer always felt easier, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, now I'm finding like it's like I just drop things all the time. Like I'm just it's hard to open things and I find like my hands like my fingers like bend back a lot and like when I'm trying to do stuff and they like crack and I'm like oh it's just it doesn't feel it just it just they don't feel sturdy
1: yeah yeah someone once on my um Instagram or Facebook once described this what we're talking about is as funky hands, funky hands. It was like you know a nice way of
0: saying my hands suck
1: which is how I say you know it's true
2: Uh,
0: They do. So tell us a little bit about, like, do you feel like that affects? Because for those of you who don't know, you know, you you are an artist and an illustrator. Does that affect, you know, your ability to create artwork? Or I know you, you work mostly digitally. Have you found ways around that?
2: Yeah, my hands get tired and like my arms get tired cuz usually I like I I always find I'm switching positions and I'm like always uncomfortable and every I'm like always moving around. So, um yeah, and then I just take breaks. I that, that's what mainly honestly, when I started therapy like 3 years ago, it was about um learning to pace myself. Like the number 1 thing was learning to pace myself. So, when I draw, I draw for like when I'm feeling like Sometimes I draw when I'm feeling anxious and then, um, once my hands get tired, I'll take a break, do something else for a bit and then like come back to it later on when I want to, you know, when I'm feeling better.
1: Speaking of doing something else, your Instagram feed and how Estella kind of introduced me to you. She's like, you've got to see Tova's plants and her house, like what she mentioned in the beginning. And I'm fascinated by this because literally I kill everything. There's, I'm I'm the I'm the opposite of a green thumb. I'm a black thumb or a blue uh, thumb. I, I used to be. But I'm so interested, not just like, I mean, obviously in the plants part, yeah. but in how the plants and taking care of the plants has helped you to cope with, you know, a progressive disease and your disability and all of that. And does it play a part?
2: Yeah. So the plants were... Plants were so huge. That was like the first it's again, It's all of it started when I got like this really bad injury on the side of my foot. And I was just feeling really, my mental health wasn't good at all or anything either. And I was looking online and I just saw plants and like people's Instagram feeds and like, they just look so pretty and like artistic and like, just they made every photo just look nice. I don't know. And I just got like really hooked on them. And then it just became a thing where like my partner, Michael would come home and like, if I was talking about a new plant or something, he'd like, that's what he'd bring me as gifts or surprises when I was feeling sad or something. Or I'd go on, I have like, I'm a part of a trading community in Toronto too, where we like barter plants, food, furniture, whatever, everything. I just started like, there's a lot of bartering for plants and like, plant clippings and stuff so we did a lot of like just trading plants and it just became like just so fascinating to watch them grow and the first time like the first plant, it was like, oh, a new leaf. And it's like really exciting. You get really excited. Like I did that. I made that happen. Right. I don't know. Maybe it's addictive or something because then you're like, well, no, I need another plant. So that that can happen all of the time. (laughs) So it's just constant good vibes. Just constantly. I'm like, oh, that plant's like, oh, if I'm feeling sad, like I'll look over and like, oh, there's a new plant over there. So like, like that one's being healthy. That one was
1: just like like
0: a cycle of growth. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, what?
1: I love that. Obviously, there is like a million metaphors and whatnot for plants and things and growth. But Estelle and I really believe that you know when people are feeling sorry for themselves, which we all do at times, when we are caught up in you know what we can't do and um, feeling bad you know, taking care of something else, whether it's volunteering or, or growing plants for that matter, you know, is really something that we think, well, we know, (laughs) you know, helps people, you know, because it gets you out of your own head. So, you know, I'm like, I have one plant in this house (laughs) and believe it or not, well, the rest are like, Fake, I guess, but I don't. People plant real plant. People probably like are like, eh, but you know, they look so real. Yeah, but I, I learned that I that I cannot take care. Well, I shouldn't say cannot. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that that patience, and maybe that's why you do take care of plants is to develop that, right? right? But like the plant that I have, actually Estella, and the people at H sent to me. Three years ago. So the fact that I've kept it alive for three years, and oh, I, I do want to say what's really kind of cool is that it was just a green really? plant that somehow a flower wow. grew in really? it. What kind of what plant is it? Yeah, I mean, I mean I really, I have one plant. Do so you think I know green one? And it has <laughs> these green flowers, green these white flowers coming out of it. <laughs> uh, maybe like a peace <laughs> lily could be. It could be. I, I don't know. That's I'll really. send you a picture after, but it's. But if you kept that alive, then Mm -hmm. that's like a yeah, that's a good like that's a good one. But the point is, is that it's from neglect. Like this plant is growing on its own, and I water it once a week if I remember. And then sometimes I go on vacation, and no one. I come back, and it's flat. You know, like mm-hmm. the leaves are all down and then all I do is give it a little water and it perks right up. And like <laughs> don't we all wish our lives could be like that? Just a little bit of water and I come yeah. back to life. <laughs> <I> know.
2: <laughs> well, that's what we said, like the most important, what did I hear recently? There was like the most adult drink or something is like you go through your life and then you fi- finally realize the most adult drink is not coffee or alcohol, but it's water. And if I don't have water in a day, like I'm miserable. I'm, I feel like I am like I've become a or A
0: succulent.
1: I feel so miserable when a I'm succulent. not drinking water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cacti. I'm just, I'm just throwing out the only terms yeah. I know, but um, I hear what you're saying. But the point is, is that like, I, I mean, The beauty of these plants when they grow and is really like about a relationship. My mom used to talk to her plants, right? And people do that, like they're people. And her plants just never wilted; (laughs) they were always. (laughs) But here, I do a half-assed job, right, of taking care of my plants, and they still bounce back. And like you know, all of these metaphors for disability and resilience, and these plants, this plant knows that it can't die. Like it was given yeah. to me. It was very special to me. It was given during, you know, a time of grief and like, it keeps on coming back. Even oh, though it like, terrible. So,
2: so I like love that. I love that it connects. I love that. Like certain plants connect you to certain things. Like I'm like, oh, that plant reminds me of this, and that plant reminds me of that. So, or like when a friend gives me a plant, I really like that too because I'm like, I know I will forever know that this friend gave me this plant. And sometimes when I trade cuttings with friends too, I'm like, how's how's your plant doing? Like, and then I'm <laughs> like I was once because I I've given a couple of the monstera um, cuttings away, and then one of uh, a friend keeps updating you know, like once it's gotten the little holes and the leaves and stuff.
1: On a totally practical tips for people note, it has nothing to do with the metaphor of plants, but actually about plants. How do you water them? Like, I mean, if your hands are shaky and you're using whatever and let's say you know how how do you carry the water can or whatever to water these plants
2: a lot of pacing because i don't water them all in like one day or anything like whenever i'm spending times around the like spending times in different areas i'll look like at a plant and i'll be like you look a little sad (laughs) you can use some water but yeah i have like a a big water jar, but I also put it into like a smaller water jar. So it's easier to water the plants with because I can't do anything like super heavy. And usually my husband will go and um, fill up like the bigger jar, like the night before, usually, like I'll put it in the kitchen and then he'll fill it up and bring it in. Because if you're using tap water for your plants, it's supposed to sit for a while, uh, what's the reason behind that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no. <laughs> like you're supposed to use distilled water on your plants, but okay. there's like a tip on I don't know. I guess I learned from the internet that was just like you can also let your water sit. Like if you ha- if you only have tap water accessible to you, then it's you can pour it. It's best not to use tap water straight from the tap, but if you pour it like the night before or something, then you have it sit. It's supposed to be better. Well, to we're be gonna have to them. Google that
1: one. You heard it here, people on the Embrace <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Only here. We might make up things, but <laughs> this one <it, way>? yeah. <laughs> everyone. Okay. All whatever hundred people who are <laughs> listening to this, you know, at this moment, they are all taking their water and letting it's us <laughs> my plants seem to like it.
0: Yeah, they they seem to be thriving in it. I mean, for for those of you who were in a video call right now, so Tuba behind her is just like this beautiful artwork and these leaves and vines hanging behind her and behind the plants. It's just super, super pretty. Tell us a little bit about more of your personal journey You know, I know you talk about navigating through trauma and especially during this past year with COVID, we've had no choice but to isolate ourselves and to try and make our environment a little bit more comfortable and like our oasis and people have really been investing money in their homes now that they're stuck there. Mm -hmm. So like, tell us a little bit about what, your journey has been with disability and processing trauma. And, you know, what are some of the takeaways from your journey that could apply to anyone else experiencing any type of chronic illness? I've done a
2: lot. So yeah, I started with therapy because my foot, like I had really hurt my foot. My mental health was bad. Like my physical body was bad. Everything was bad. Like I was like thirty, thirty-one, thirty-one. 31, so 31. This was four years ago. I I think I was like trying to go on with my life, like trying to just like push forward with my life. And like, I couldn't because I was in so much pain. And I couldn't figure out how to get out of that pain. Like I couldn't, I didn't know where to start because my mental health was so bad that it just it had made everything much worse. It seemed like, um, because I was denying using mobility aids and I was denying like taking care of myself or like people say like, you need to sit down. No, 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 I'm fine. You know, like just push through it for so many years until I cracked and it was like, you can't do this anymore. Luckily I got help from my best friend though. She got me in contact with the doctor to get everything like in motion to get me set up with surgery and get like my foot taken care of and the pain that I was dealing with. Once that happened, I was like, I now I need to take care of my brain because I I was just, I was so miserable. Like I had pushed a lot of people away. I was just, I was sad and angry and just like blame the world for everything. I was just like this sucks. <laughs> this sucks and I hated feeling that way though I hated it. And it just got to the point where I was like my best friend was upset with me, like everyone, I just felt like I was pushing people away and like pushing the closest people away. So, yeah, I just made the decision and also I'm I'm really fortunate that my um my dad <laughs> my dad is a therapist or a retired therapist. Um, So he had a friend and I reached out to him and I was like, do you have someone? Because I cannot afford therapy all the time, but I need help. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if you know anyone. And that was the first time that I just reached out and he was like, yeah, actually, I think I have a friend. She's been my therapist now for over three years and... <sighs> like i'm so grateful and thankful for that for her and for meeting her um and for her also helping me to get the help for my mental health that i needed and not to charge me like a giant amount so it was something that i was able to afford and fit into my life but yeah then it just like once my mental health was starting to like once i was starting dealing with my traumas and everything and i was getting everything clear um it was easier to start taking care of myself and knowing what I needed to take care of my body. And like with my therapist guidance, a lot, you know, a lot of the times too, and saying like, when I need to rest and like telling me when I need to rest and stop pushing. So that was a lot, just learning to pace myself. And that's when I started like, cause it was really, it was really my uh, internalized ableism was massive. I could not get, a mobility aid for the life of me. I could not, like, I was so embarrassed and I just, I, I felt like disgusted in myself or something. I felt like people would look at me and just look at me differently and I couldn't handle it. Like it was so scary to me. So yeah, it, it took me years to slowly be like, all right, I'm finally ready for this and I'm ready for this. And and then realizing also once you get the mobility devices and stuff and get the help that you need, like oh this is so much easier. And then you see the benefits, and then you just it just feels good. So you're like, okay, what's well, the next
0: thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that because I think a big part of progressive diseases like CMT is that, you, like you mentioned earlier, like you're constantly grieving the loss of function and you're always trying. At, I mean, if you're in a good place to mentally prepare yourself for the next loss and try to kind of get ahead of it with, all right, well, what's the next mobility device I might need or what am I going to have to let go of and replace with something else? So I think that's a big part of mental health is, and self care is that saying yes to those mobility devices does not mean that you're saying no to function. You're actually saying yes to yeah. uh, an improved quality of life and more independence and more opportunities, right? Yeah. It's so much easier. Yeah. yeah. You had to been taking it on all on yourself that whole time. So yeah. I don't
1: know, Tova, if you know, if you've seen Trendable, the website, but like
0: a lot of people
1: who find the website and then reach out, they aren't leg brace wearers at all. There are people who've had CMT, some are even, you know, in their, like my age, and they are talking about how hard it is for them to walk and... That they're scared to get leg braces. And, you know, I always respond that, like, it's a, you know, love hate relationship with all mobility devices, but truthfully, more love than hate because exactly what I can do, and it sounds like what you can do with the help of these mobility devices far outweighs the negative stuff, right? Like, I can walk from, you know, for miles and wouldn't have been able to walk a hundred feet without. Those braces. So um, it's getting over yourself, you know? Estella had said, um, mentioned trauma, like, sounded like you went through some like stages of grief, right? But was there something that, like, was there, was it like a milestone event? What made you just start to? You know, I guess push people away and go through that process and then rebuild. Yeah. It, it was
2: part, it, part of it was the disability. Um, part of it was coming to terms with the progressive disability. And like, yeah, that was, that was definitely a part of it. And that I thought that was what a lot of it was in the beginning. Like it was just me get, getting used to losing ability, but there's more to it than there's, I also have like a complex PTSD, which is, it's like a repeated, traumas over and over again. And it's like a lot happens when you're a child. So it's a lot of just like, I didn't get a lot of emotional support growing up. So like, and I have a lot of feelings, I have a lot of emotions, and I'm sensitive. So my parents didn't like understand me. So that contributed to the ways that I ended up like moving through the world. And I got myself into like, lots of trouble and made really bad friends and went on dates that I shouldn't have gone on and just got lots of trauma and also didn't realize a lot of it because I had blocked out. Like with CPTSD, a lot of people just don't have any memories of their childhood or before like anything. So like slowly, slowly memories started to come back. And I was like, Oh, that's why I did that. And this is why I did that. And like everything just started piecing together. So it wasn't like specifically one thing. It was a lot of combined traumas, but I did have like, I did have some fairly significant traumas, like a really close friend uh, passed away and I was sexually violated several times. So, and one major event. So a lot of that just combined and me pushing it down for so many years and not dealing with it, it came up throughout my life so much that just triggered me and triggered Mm -hmm. me until I just, I guess it's rock bottom, but I like burst. I like, I was like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to go to for comfort because I, again, like I didn't know
0: who to trust. I just... Yeah, you had been taking it on all on yourself that whole mm -hmm. time, so...
2: And like, I was just, yeah, I was just really angry at the world. I was like, why, why me?
0: (laughs) mostly. Yeah. I think it speaks a lot to the importance of really empowering and listening to, you know, adolescents and kids in the disability community, because the three of us grew up with this in our lives from a very early age. When you don't have that, you know, whether that therapist or that friend or that supportive adult to talk to and to kind of develop this healthy outlet of all of the emotions that come through. I mean, childhood and adolescence is hard enough as it is, but then, you know, you add disability and all of, The the shame and the isolation that comes about with that. And we're developing our sense of selves at that age. And, you know, it really becomes entangled and interwoven into who we think we are. And we grow up into these women who don't feel like we're worthy of love and we don't feel capable of being independent and all of these other aspects of life that it turns into. Yeah. And I mean,
1: a lot of people, myself included, without that kind of trauma, I mean, I didn't experience that ever, but I can relate to the why me and the the breaking down and the feeling bad and pushing people away and having um, those emotions come up in other places because that's what happens when we don't deal with them, right? Like We might erupt at a Starbucks person or um, someone looks at us the wrong way. We take it personally and then you know, attack our spouse or say something we don't, we don't mean to someone we're close to. So that definitely, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. Well, mine, I have a little bit of issues with that just because
2: um, the PTSD like makes it so it doesn't go away. It comes back again all the time, (laughs) just when you least expect it. But yeah, it gets less and less each time. And it's like, it gets less affecting every time just because you're you're learning to accept it so each time something comes up it's like okay i have the tools for this you know like i know how to deal with this
1: yeah i mean and also for ourselves right because The truth of the matter is, is that a lot of people might be listening to what you just said, Tova, and they, like me, might not have had the trauma of childhood, but feel the trauma of having a disability, whether it came on suddenly, whether it's progressive like ours, and they can relate to the feeling angry and keeping it inside. And what is the honest to God truth? The one thing that we all don't do in these moments, that's the best thing that we can do is keep it in, is, is to, to share it because, you know, Estella and I talk about all the time that shame, which is what that is, right? It is a social construct. Like it's something that only exists with other people and it's about other people and once you share your truth whether it's with one person whether it's on an instagram platform whether it's you know in a journal like and that you show someone i mean it doesn't it goes away like you no longer feel it it just disappears and we hold on to that shame and it eats us up but just by talking about it it goes away it's that simple it sounds like you did that <laughs> giving yourself the compassion
0: yeah. And I think, I mean, that's just such a great call to seek therapy, right? And you were fortunate enough to find somebody to do it in a way that, you know, works for you financially. I actually started working with someone about a year ago and I was like, I, I don't need therapy. I have great self, you know, confidence. And, but like you said, connecting those dots. Why did I make those decisions back then that affected me so much throughout my whole life to be able to kind of reflect? with you know a therapist or a counselor or social worker and really kind of process all of that in a healthy way and see it in a way that doesn't make us sad or make us angry anymore and just be more mindful of our future decisions and how we're moving about in the world. I think it's super powerful.
1: Yeah. And circling back to the plants, <laughs> people who are listening, we always want you to walk away with something. And Really, the lesson I've learned from you, Tova, is not just about seeking help when you need it and obviously, you know, with a therapist, professional, but also just having outlets for the pain, for um, for everything, for everyday stuff. And you also developed a community because you're trading these plants or whatever it is you're talking about that I don't get. But like, <laughs> the point is, is that you, you've, you've given us a lot of lessons, right? You have an outlet for yourself that is special to you taking care of these plants and obviously your artwork, which we didn't, you know, people can see on Instagram, but the plants in particular, which is something yeah. anybody can do, even me, but mm-hmm. yeah, if <laughs> I wanted to. and you have a support system because even though these people don't know, you probably don't know anything about your disability. You have a connection with them through the trading of the plants and that's A support group. Yeah. Well, I want, like, uh, there's so many people that can't afford or can't
2: get access to therapy, right? So I know that Instagram isn't a substitute for a therapist, but any ways that I can share little tidbits of like things that I've learned could maybe help people. And decide, like, if they're able to, I'm, I'm just pushing for therapy for everyone. Like, it should just be for everyone. It should be like a part, like, you go to the doctors and. Well, I do live in Canada (laughs) and going to the doctors is a little bit easier. Yes.
1: Well, Tova, you mentioned your Instagram and obviously, yes, like you said, it's not a substitute for therapy, but certainly for inspiration and people connected to you through this podcast, they can certainly reach out to you. Where would we find you? Mostly on my Instagram page. That's at Tova's Fine. T-L-B-A-H-S Fine. And we're going to have this in the show notes, right?
0: Yeah. And, and check it out, too, because you really do some beautiful illustrations of female disability advocates. And, you know, there's always, like, a plant in there, too. But, like, you, you really, <laughs> you know, there's some really powerful me- messages and representation of these women. And it's just... It's really cool to see them painted, you know, no pun intended, in like a different light and to celebrate their message and their stories and encourage other people to tell theirs. And I really love that. Well, I think um, I, like the most the most important
2: thing for me is representation, too. I think representation is so important because we didn't have it. At least I don't know. I didn't have it. I'm sure we all didn't have it when we were younger and we still don't have it for CMT. <laughs> that's for sure. But like just. Making disability beautiful so that way people don't have to be scared of it, you know, like I was when I was younger, like I was scared of it. Now that I'm more comfortable with it, I just want to show people the beauty in disability because there is a lot of it. Yeah. And it's all everyone's so unique and has their own stories. Stories to tell. It's just, I, yeah. Well,
0: oh, you definitely do that. It's definitely a visual and, you know, storytelling celebration of, of the community. And thank you for being one of those voices speaking up and, and representing all of us. And, and we hope to see lots more of that.